0: Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Pete, the Brooklyn Nets podcast that you want to be listening to if you're a fan of the Brooklyn Nets. News, reactions, information, and so much more is what Pete and I do on this podcast. Pete, I wanted to clarify something before we get started, but before I do, how are you? I'm good. How was your Thanksgiving, sir? Oh, dude. I ate turkey. I ate stuffing. I ate cornbread. I drank
1: expensive red wine. Mm-hmm. Pretty much your your standard Thanksgiving. How about you? Uh, I eat a lot of stuffing. I'm a stuffing guy. Uh. I, I try to touch a couple things here and there. You don't want to fill up on too much turkey or too much of this, and you know I, I played easy, picking little things here and there. But stuffing's my main thing.
0: Yeah, I I think I did the perfect plate in terms of I didn't take anything too much. Uh you know I was pretty good in terms of balancing everything mm-hmm. out because you gotta also save room for dessert. That's the other part of it. Um, and then in, in terms of like Thanksgiving leftovers, I think tonight, it's Monday the 27th, so we're about four days removed from Thanksgiving. Tonight will be my last Thanksgiving leftover meal,
1: because after tonight, I, I can't do any more of anything. That's fair, man. I guess you get a little tired of turkey. I'm trying to fix myself over, over here for the people watching. Uh, I get tired of turkey maybe after the third day, but I don't know. That, that's just me.
0: Yeah, I I don't, I mean, after the first day, I'm not crazy about turkey, but went back to my my parents' house, did a Thanksgiving brunch, ate more turkey. They gave me all the leftovers because they love me and I'm their favorite son. Um, And it is what it is. And that's no disrespect to my little brother, but they just love me more than they love him. Uh, Really wanted to clarify something for the listeners out there. So I got confused when I was numbering these episodes because- Yes, you did. it It says episode 176. Technically, it's episode 177, but our episode with Nets Daily, I considered a bonus episode. So I didn't number it because that was kind of spontaneous after we had recorded on Monday. I think we recorded that Nets Daily episode on on that Wednesday. So I did not number that episode, but on YouTube, I think it's 173. So we have two episode 173s and this is episode 176 on
1: YouTube. Technically, it's our 177th episode. Listen, whatever you want, bro. You're the boss. It sounds good. I think the fans just want to hear about Nets and less numbering of episodes.
0: They they got to hear about the numbering of episodes before we can very get important any, any Nets. It's very important. If you're a fan of Fireside, you're listening, you're freaking out. Is it 176, 177? It's episode 176. Now, let's get into these Brooklyn Nets, Pete. Two and one on the week. Have a little uh, back-to-back action where we came up with two victories, which was awesome. Let's get into the the game from yesterday. Uh, Nets 118, Chicago 109. Pete, this was one of the craziest sort of turnaround games that, that I think we've experienced as Nets fans in a while. Uh, we were down as much as 21 points in that first quarter. We were outscored. Um, here I, I have the number right here. we were outscored in that first quarter 36, 36 to, 19. to 19. that was it and oh. and you know a lot of Nets fans including myself were were just disgusted with the level of effort but in that second quarter something something happened and we outscored Chicago 44 to 19 in the second 33 to 28 in the third we we couldn't miss from three. I'm gonna. You're gonna get into statistics from individual guys in a second, but 25 of 53 from beyond the arc. That is insane. Chicago just had no answer for everybody on the Nets. It just started pouring in threes. Uh, Pete, I want you to read me some stats. But before you do, what were your what was your overall takeaway from you know the Nets just going
1: bonkers from beyond the arc and completely turning this game around? Uh, it kind of reminds me of the Sacramento game. And you have these teams that kind of feel like special. I'm not saying the Nets are going to win a championship, but when a team has this kind of camaraderie, you get games like this. And not to mention the Bulls are a hot mess. If you watch the first quarter, you saw the Bulls hitting eight of 12 from three. The game, I think they started the game on a 30 to 9 run. You see, you check the scoreboard without checking uh what am I saying, checking the stats without checking the scoreboard. You see DeRozan put up 27, Kobe Wright put up 23. Zach Levine put up 20, Patrick Williams, 20. You're like, the Nets probably got crushed, right? It just, I, I I enjoy games like this, that this is what kind of draws us back in as Nets fans, that we kind of see the potential in this team. Yes, the Bulls suck, but I don't care. I, don't, I really don't care. Fuck everybody.
0: What was cool about this game, right? And I think in the Sacramento game you're referring to, that comeback happened in the second half. And normally... When you come back in a game, you don't come back after the first quarter. This game was a completely different game from quarter one to, to quarters three through uh, two through four. And it just showed you the difference in, in terms of who the Brooklyn Nets are and who the Chicago Bulls are. Pete, the Chicago Bulls are five and 13. But I'll tell you this. They they might have, you know, a better starting five on paper than the Nets. Right. With Levine. DeRozan, Patrick Williams, Vucevic, and Kobe White, that might be a better five than Dinwiddie, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Royce O'Neal, DFS. A little bit more top-heavy. I think Kobe White is probably the weakest name in that starting five, Um, but there's a difference because the Nets have chemistry. We have an actual bench. We have guys that play hard, that play focused, and don't give up, and and that was a huge thing I noticed in this game, just the resiliency and the fight, you know, to immediately erase that thirty six to nineteen point uh, deficit after one. Not a lot of teams can do that as quickly as the Nets did, and it was phenomenal. So I I, I want to get into some of these statistics because just almost everybody who played, with the exception of Armani Brooks, who saw four minutes played really well for this Brooklyn team. And that, that was eight guys. So talk to me about some statistics
1: um, from, from some Nets that you know were call-out worthy. Dinwiddie, <clears throat> 24 points, seven assists. O'Neal put up 20 points, nine rebounds, seven uh, of 11. But uh, the guys that I really want to talk about, second quarter, Lonnie Walker hit four threes. Royce hits four threes. And the Nets completely clamped the Bulls So guess how many shots the Bulls made in the second quarter? If you you took a guess, you might have the box in front of you, so don't cheat.
0: I don't don't have this information in front of me. I'm going to guess they made seven shots in the second quarter.
1: They were four of 16. Oof. Total clamp job. Total clamp job. Uh, Bridges put up 15 points. He was five of seven. Uh, Sharp almost had a double-double. Nine points, nine rebounds. And Watford, I don't think he played too much, but he was 5 of 8 and scored 11 points. Uh, I think I mentioned everybody pretty much worthy. But, uh, man, I can't be upset after a game like this. What was it, like a week or two ago? The Nets made a comeback, and I was kind of shitting on you because it wasn't like a grind game. This is a grind game. This is the second game of back-to-back. These guys are tired and whatnot. You have guys cramping, being pulled out of games. You don't have Claxton, and they wanted to pulling off a win at like this. This is a team that you could build on. Oh, by the way, and Jock Vaughn did a great job. By the way, I thought he coached this job, uh, coached this game amazingly. Just so yeah,
0: you know, no, I um, I 100 agree agree with you. N- nice job on you know on Vaughn, um, in terms of his substitutions. Um, Lonnie Walker and Trendon Watford for me have just been so impressive off our bench. Walker comes in. He gives you that scoring punch. It seems like he hits every single open three. Man, like he hits a. He was he was six to ten from beyond the arc. Um, you know every baseline three that he takes, it seems like it's going in. So love his effort. And then Trendon Watford. I mean, every time this guy plays, he gives the Nets efficient minutes. Eleven, 11 points, points in in seventeen minutes. Five of eight from the field. You know, he's able to handle the rock. He's another ball handler. Um, He attacks the rim, I think, more efficiently than almost any net, any other net does. He's able to sort of use his body as a shield between the defender and the ball and just the angles he gets to, the touch he has around the rim, the floaters. uh, And he's good for, you know, one or two threes a game. Like he came in, the nets were rolling from down the line. He can knock them down. Watford hit one top of the key, just boom. Nothing but net. Um, so I, I love the minutes those two guys have have given Brooklyn. Um, and Royce O'Neal. Uh, shout out to Ian Cart. He, he's uh, one of our top YouTube commenters. Uh, he said shout it's out. about time Royce O'Neal showed up. Uh, really strong performance from Royce. Y- you know there are times with the Nets offense where maybe McHale doesn't necessarily have it. You saw Cam Johnson cramp up in this game, so he only put up ten points in twenty two minutes. Um, and obviously no Cam, jo- no Cam Thomas either. So you're always looking, where is that other scoring punch going to come from, Pete? Dinwiddie has proven in the last few games, he can be that guy. You mentioned 24 points from Dinwiddie. He was phenomenal in terms of just knowing when his moments were to take over. Uh, You know, he had Vucevic on him a number of times. Okay, take Vucevic to the hole, get the foul call. Um, He was great tonight. But Royce O'Neal is a guy who he can help on offense. Him and Dorian Finney Smith, when we don't have creators like Ben Simmons and scorers like Cam Thomas, you need those guys to step up. 20 points for Royce O'Neal, six of 10 from three, almost in nine rebounds, almost a double-double for him. Um, when, when he's hitting his threes, this Nets team is a completely different squad. Uh, you know, Dorian Finney Smith only had nine, he was three of, of ten from the field, three of seven from three but it felt like those, those three, three pointers DFS made were just huge momentum shots as well. So it it helps when your role guys are hitting shots at home. Um, you know, especially when a guy like camp Johnson goes out, Nick, no, Nick Claxton for this game, he was unavailable dealing with a bit of an ankle. Um, so just, you know, overall great team effort. And, um, yeah, I mean, Chicago is, is just, they're falling apart at the seam so this this was uh the second half of a back to back and listen the Nets lose this game you can use that excuse but the fact that they won the fact that they were able to get two this weekend um you know especially after losing that heartbreak game to Atlanta that we're about to get to that that really spoke volumes about this unit and about the preparation you know that Vaughn has them has them go
1: through absolutely and uh, I don't know if you were paying attention to this but they actually set a franchise record for threes in a quarter. In that second quarter, they hit 11 threes. I don't know if you care about that. I, I, I kind of like stuff like that every once in a while. Um, what was they hit? 25 threes this game. And back to that Sacramento game that we were talking about before, that was 27. So this was the second highest uh, three-pointer, well, why would you call it, game high in the franchise history? Yeah. Yeah. Game high. I think that, uh, they hit 16 first half
0: threes and was that, that might've been a franchise high too. I believe so. At least that's what I read. I mean, look, everyone was knocking them down, right? I think the only two guys to not hit a three pointer who were on the court were Daron Sharp and Armani Brooks, um, and Armani and they both took two threes. So, you know, you, you look at the shot discrepancy, like 32, three pointers from Chicago, they were 12 of 32. Brooklyn was 25 of 53, even if Chicago and and Chicago shot a little bit. I'm sorry. No, they didn't. They shot 48% from the field. We shot 49%. Uh, But even if Chicago shot 54% from the field, we still probably beat them because they just don't get up as many
1: threes as we do. Oh yeah. And they shot two of 12 from three in the fourth quarter. So whatever JV did, (laughs) he worked some magic there because that shit was great. They go from eight of 12 in the first quarter. Two of 12, fourth. That's it. You know, it was Wrapped it up nice and clean.
0: Patrick Williams in that first quarter, like, he looked unstoppable. He was hitting everything. Uh, DeRozan was hitting some threes. You never see him show, like, just that that first quarter, totally, totally different ball game uh, than the the next three quarters. Pete, looking at the Chicago roster, is there anybody that you would be highly interested in for the right price?
1: Who? Alex Caruso, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm a big Alex Caruso guy. I like. You it. like what you would give, you... Should I say something else? No, no, no. no. Williams, what... right? I guess that would. I uh, <laughs> think that would be the obvious choice. But you know, oh, I'm I mean, you like
0: you like Caruso. That, you're allowed to like Caruso. I wasn't. I wasn't shitting on your like a Caruso. I I'm saw wondering that what. Face. No, I'm thinking my mind face. starts to turn. What would you give up for him?
1: I'd have to look at the contract and stuff. But I would, but just to have him as a backup, this guy's like a I don't know, he's a pain in the ass when when you're playing against him and those are usually the type of players that suit very well in these defensive oriented teams or if you want to kind of build up your defense he could hit a three he would be a backup for us. I wouldn't want him to start obviously but uh yeah I, I don't know the contract and I think he's hurt might be hurt now so I might throw uh, throw your idea to the shams.
0: I, I would love Patrick Williams. You, you said it. I of think course. he'd be so perfect. I think cool. he'd be perfect. I think he—he's where we want to see Clowney in a few years. In terms of what he did against the mm-hmm. Nets, like a stretch four, I've just been—I've been craving a, a, a four that can hit threes and his athletic is athletic as Patrick Williams. And I What's believe it's a contract year. year What's up? It's a contract year for Patrick Williams because he came into the season Ooh. wanting some crazy numbers, and and he has not lived up to par.
1: What's he at what? What exactly is he asking for? That he would be wanted, interesting. Like, he's still
0: young, bro. He wanted like two hundred million for a, a certain amount. Of, it was a crazy ask, and he just he's he's like not even a top three, top four player on that team right now. So
1: he's twenty two years old. Jesus Christ! He, listen,
0: the nets, the nets do great with prove it young guys, right? So bring them over here. Anything else on the Chicago game uh, before before we move on? I'm good. Let's go. All right, so we're going to go all the way back to the Hawks-Nets game. Uh, this was extremely painful for Nets fans. 147-145, the Nets lose in overtime to the Hawks. Heavyweight battle between Mikhail Bridges and, and, and Trey Young. Young had the last laugh. Uh, give, give me some individual stats from this game, Pete, that, you know, stuck out to you.
1: Oh man, you're gonna kill me for for my, my Dinwiddie take over here, but <clears throat> I'll go through the the next numbers. Of course, Mikkel Bridges put on the his Superman suit, forty five points, sixteen to thirty one. <laughs> if you're uh, if you're listening, Smith doing a little dance in the background. Dinwiddie put up twenty six points, but he was nine of twenty three. He had twelve assists, six rebounds. Dorian Finney-Smith put up eight points. Uh, Cam Johnson put up 23 points, 8 of 13, 5 of 8 from 3. And Claxton was 10 of 15, and he put up 22 points. And uh, we had a quiet game from Monty Walker, 3 of 7, 8 points. What did you think about, are you going to kill me with the Dinwiddie? Because even I was kind of a little upset at him at the end when he kind of, well, we'll get to that. But the 9 of 23 is just unacceptable in a game like this.
0: No, I want to I want to hear your Dinwiddie you take. Give it to me. You can't you can't bring it up and then take it back. I want to hear it.
1: Just he had that foul that uh, that let them take the lead or tie the game. I forgot I forgot who did he foul even? Do you remember? Was it young?
0: Trey Young went one of it's two from the Trey line. definitely Trey Young.
1: You're 100% yeah. right. You just you can't do that in a situation that you're up by two or up by three. I forgot what it was whatever. I think they're up by two. You cannot foul this guy. Luckily, you know what I mean? Like that, you know, they were still able to make it to go to overtime, but they were about to seal a win, and you just t- you took a win. Imagine if they would have gotten that win, we would have had three yeah. in a row.
0: The Nets were up one, so if oh, Young hit both, was. if Young hit both, the game would have been over. He missed the first one, made the second one.
1: I Feel like he missed a couple free throws. You know what sucks? This game was like a week ago, so it's like I'm having trouble remembering everything.
0: He he was eleven to thirteen from the line. Trey Young, uh, forty three points, nine assists, just dagger after dagger in overtime. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll say this: the Hawks are on a very very similar level as the Nets, right? I think they they Ooh. they won this game. They were seven and seven. We were we 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 went to eight uh, six and eight. Um, you know they have a lot of young pieces on, on this Hawks team, like Jalen Johnson, really nice player. Didn't do much in this game. Uh, but the backcourt of of Young and, and Dejounte Murray, they combined for 63 points. Sadiq Bay and Akungu came off the bench; they both had 12. Bogdanovich had 14, so a little bit more balanced uh, for Atlanta in this game. But it, it came down to a few plays, Pete. This was a close game. Defense was optional for both teams. Uh, Trey Young outdueled Mikhail Bridges. That's really what it came down to. Bridges had had a chance to win it at the buzzer. He missed the shot. Then it was uh, there was the possession in overtime where we, we were trading baskets and, and bridges was hitting shots. Mikhail, uh Trey Young was hitting shots and then Bridges had the layup that was blocked by, I believe, a And for me, I don't you gotta have better awareness down the stretch. It was one of those plays by Atlanta where whoever was I think it might, I forget who it was, they sort of let bridges slip because they knew there was help. And for Bridges Ooh. to just lay it up like that, you, no one's going to give you that in crunch time. That play bothered me. Um, I, I would have drew something up for him to get mid-range, at least stop at the mid-range or, or, or try to hit a three. Going to the rim, uh, if unless you're going, going to draw contact, it, you know, you're know you not going to get a layup like that in crunch time. I, I don't care who you're playing. Um, and then what bothered me was you know, less than three seconds left and Nets get the ball side out. Lonnie Walker doesn't even get a shot off. That was
1: That's very disappointing.
0: That's tough. I don't care That's if tough. you miss it. Do you
1: want Lonnie taking that
0: shot? At this point, no. Given hindsight, only because you have to have better awareness. Something I'll mm. I'll, I'll give Dinwiddie credit on is you ne- you rarely see Spencer Dinwiddie get a shot clock violation with the ball in his hands because more times than not he's looking at the clock. He under you know he has that feel if Lonnie Walker does not have that awareness for the shot clock winding down or even look like everyone knew there was two, two and a half seconds left. Like he needed to get a shot off. Yeah. Um, that's 50% on him. 50% on Jacques Vaughn. Both those guys are at fault. They need to be better prepared for that situation.
1: So those, I gotta, I gotta yeah. get thrown a flag on the plate. Yeah, yeah. Who is going to be the guy who takes the shot when Cam Thomas is out? Right. We knew that it was going to be Bridges coming into the year. He's kind of been dethroned. We want CT taking the shot, but obviously CT's out. So now who would you want taking that shot? You got Dinwiddie, very clutch. You got Bridges, who sometimes is a hero, putting up 45 points. And then you have other games that he puts up 15 and looks invisible. Then you have Lonnie Walker, who pretty much if he plays 20 minutes, he's going to score 20 points. Like I I was looking at his stats. I think there's only one game. He played 20 minutes and did not score 20 points. So who who gets the gets it? That's that's what I want to yeah, know.
0: The weird thing, about, so I'm not going to say Lonnie Walker shouldn't get an opportunity to hit a game winning shot. Normally, but the weird thing about this game was he barely played. He Played 16 minutes and had eight points. So I, I don't think he had been in the game up until that that final possession to throw him in there cold and to be like, hey, we're, you're, you might get an opportunity. I found that a little weird. Very rarely does that happen, where a guy who hasn't been playing gets in and hits
1: hits a big shot. Um, yeah, talking about that, he was uh, he played five minutes fifty seconds yeah, before like, overtime, so he's pretty cold. Pretty right. cold. What, what is that? That's pretty. For wild. me, I'll, I'll say this:
0: with no Cam Thomas, Mikhail has to be the guy at least who gets an opportunity, and he had an opportunity at the end of that fourth. He had a shot; it didn't go down. Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, ha- has more history hitting those big shots than anyone else on this team. Absolutely. Him and maybe Royce O'Neal is the only other guy I can Royce think of. Royce is very clutch. Royce is, is clutch. very clutch. So I have no problem with Dinwiddie shooting it. I have no problem with Mikhail shooting it. I think at some point McHale is going to have his moments as a Brooklyn Net where he hits those those clutch shots. It hasn't happened yet, but I, I think that you know, the more times you put him in that position, the more times he he's he's going to eventually hit that shot. Um yeah,
1: I, by the way, I would have him taking the shot for you know just saying yeah. my part.
0: about Uh what'd
1: you say? Him or dimwitty, you said? Yeah, who'd you say? You are talking about you want I, Mikhail taking the shot. I want, yeah, I want Bridges taking the shot because this is how guys learn, you know what I mean? Like maybe there was a Paul George type situation that he misses a couple game winning shots and then he gets in his head. But you want to get the player better. Even if he misses, you know, today, tomorrow, we know there'll be a better play for it. Right. And I don't want to get the politics involved, Pete,
0: because like you and I are politics. It, but you're right, and when Spencer Dinwiddie talks about the Nets in the future, he go, he talks about oh, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton, uh, Cam Thomas. Those that's the future. He never really inputs himself in there. So if if you're Sean Marks and Jock Vaughn, and and you're thinking about the long game, you don't really know if Dinwiddie's going to be here in the next few years. You know that Bridges will most likely be here in the next few years. So if you're if you're grooming this guy to be, you know, the franchise player, it's he almost has to take those shots. It almost doesn't make sense
1: logistically for Dinwiddie to take those shots if he's not going to be here next year. See, this is the issue that I have with Sean Marks, JV and the Nets in general is we don't know where we're going. If you want to win the game today, maybe you want Dinwiddie taking the shot, right? He's probably like you said before, he's probably one of the most clutch, has the most history with this, but realistically You know, I want my team to win in the future because they may not win this year. So how do I get my team better? By letting Bridges take the shot. It's kind of like the Giants. They play the Patriots, football Giants, NFL. They played the Patriots this uh, this past week. I wanted them to lose so badly so they can get a new quarterback. They win. So what happens? You win today and it hurts you tomorrow. And that's kind of the situation. Are we winning now or tomorrow? Like, let's decide a path here.
0: Yeah, the, the thing I'll say about Mikhail Bridges is I love the fact that his mentality it it, it never wavers. Like he knows no. who he is, he knows what he's capable of, he doesn't get down on himself. So that part of it, I'm not worried about his mental because he's shown that despite his early season struggles, he's he's mentally strong. Um, but yeah, this was this is a game that I mean, if you take this game against Atlanta. You win, you know the the two games over the weekend. You're nine and seven hitting heading into that Toronto Raptors tournament game on Tuesday night. Uh, it just sounds a little bit better than eight and eight. But
1: absolutely,
0: um, or, no, you'd be. Would you be would nine, nine and six seven? Or nine, if you're eight, and eight, eight and nine, and nine seven. And seven. Yeah. yeah, you're right. The one guy on on uh, Atlanta that I would just love to eventually have is uh, Bogdanovich. Like he was a plus seventeen in this game. And he was five of 15 from the field with 14 points. But he's a plus 17 because the pressure that he puts on defenses, man, like he is just oh, he's he's a hooper. I freaking love, I love Bogdanovich. I, I would absolutely love he's him. He's very really. good. Nice player. Um anything else on this Atlanta game, other than the fact that it, it absolutely ruined my night, I think on what Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, that sucked. But let's go on. Let's go all right. We had the Heat game on Saturday. Uh, This was essentially the Brooklyn Nets versus the Heat, the Miami Heat B team. Won this game 112-97. No Jimmy Butler, no Bam Adebayo, no Duncan Robinson, no Tyler Hero for Miami. Uh, Their starting five was Kyle Lowry, Jaime Yaquez Jr., Haywood Highsmith, Thomas Bryant, and Josh Richardson. So. Not a great starting five, but we did handle our business. Uh, hit me with some stats from this game, please.
1: <clears throat> Caleb Martin put up twenty-two points off the bench. He was nine eighteen. Jamie Drakez Jr. Hopefully, I said his name right. Eight of fifteen, he put up eighteen points. Nice player. Really, yeah, I, I like him. I, I wasn't too hot on him after the after the draft, but he he's he's growing on me. He's definitely growing on me. He uh, he's kind of a better version of Trenton Watford. In a way, I guess you could say right? that. Similar. In a way, Similar. I, I
0: digress.
1: Go on. I, like I said, I wasn't hot on him. But a- Either way. <clears throat> you had Bridges shooting 8 of 19. He put up 24 points. Uh Cam Johnson put up 19 points, 8 of 13. During Finney-Smith, 16 points. Den Woody, 14 points. Claxton, 13 points. All the starters were in double-digit scoring. And uh I have it over here. I believe the next starting five. With are nine, nine of 23 from three, 69%. When you got a game like this, I love it. We're just coasting. We're just coasting. Yeah, here, here's what you need to know about this game. We beat Miami
0: in every single quarter. So if that happens, even in the fourth quarter, we outscored them by one. So if that happens, more times than not, Pete, you're going to win the basketball game. Um, It was by nice to way, see. Actually, did, yeah. did
1: you? like how many points that they actually Miami actually scored 22 points in the first 23 points in the third 21 points in the fourth If you hold the team under 24 points for three quarters you're a nice you're, you're going to be in a nice spot but uh I don't know can you celebrate something like this because it's kind of the b team you you don't celebrate uh but I do think the fact that we
0: coasted in this game allowed us to be a little bit more prepared for Chicago right Absolutely. um yeah, what were you saying old- I'm
1: sorry, I cut you off with that
0: no, no, no! You're good. You're good. I, I don't think I had a thought. Um, agreeing with you. Like, like I like a game like this. We don't get a lot of games like this as, as Nets fans. You know what? I'll say this, Pete. And I was thinking about this uh, while I was watching this game, because what Brooklyn do- has done this season is we have handled who we've we've supposed to who who we're supposed to beat. You know, take care of right. business against the shit teams. Exactly. What? That's not something we always did with the big no. three. We struggled against the the bottom of the NBA for some reason with the big three. They would show up for huge games. You know, I remember that, that big game against Philadelphia that they won, uh, not Philadelphia, Chicago, when the big three played against Chicago and Chicago was playing well and we were playing well and, and we absolutely destroyed them. That was one of the only games where KD Harden and, and Kyrie played together. Oh, um but I think there, there was a big game against Philadelphia with, with the big two. I think we won
1: w- when Harden was in. Yeah, field, that was right? Harden. That was a game in Philadelphia. That was the first game after the trade. Ben wasn't playing. He was on the bench. And they just creamed them. I think they won by like 20. Uh, yeah, that was a great night. That was a great game.
0: So so there were, there were games like that where the big three would show up and the big two would show up and we'd win. And then there were a lot of games against the bottom feeders of the NBA that, that we just would lose. And what I like about a game like this is, you know, we handled our business. Everyone did their jobs. My point before, it was nice to see Mikhail Bridges being the leading scorer uh, back-to-back games. You know, 45 in Atlanta, 24 um, against Miami. That was nice to see. I, I want to see more consistency from him in terms of him being the guy. Obviously, you'll have the outlier, the outliers with Spencer Dinwiddie and and when he's scoring, and um, eventually when Cam Thomas comes back, he's probably going to be putting up 25 per game minimum, if if not more. Um, but it was nice to see McHale at least be the leading the leading scorer for for the last you know two games, uh, two games in a row. Otherwise, yeah, you, you handled business. You were able to rest some guys down the stretch and, and be a lot more focused for Chicago the next day.
1: Yeah, uh, you know me. I go over the stats and whatnot. I thought this was interesting. After the Bulls and Heat game, the Bulls and Heat in the second half were 6 of 28 from 3. 6 of twenty for 3. That's 21% for for the people who don't know the math at home. Uh, it shows – that JV is kind of making some changes. And I don't know if you heard of one of the press conferences that they kind of switched into a zone for, uh, I forgot what game it was. I think it was the, it was the Chicago. 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 I
0: think they went zone against
1: Chicago. Very interesting that zones not really keep people don't know this. If you're not like really in tune coaches, don't really teach zone like that anymore in the NBA because it's just, it's just so outdated and you're leaving shots you know, guys open on the corners from three. So I think it's kind of interesting JV had that in his bag.
0: 100% agree with you. Um, To sort of close out the podcast, we're just going to do a little bit of a class time segment. So Pete, what have we learned about this Brooklyn Nets team? You know, growing up, you're in school, your, your, your teacher would ask, what did you learn? What have we learned about this Nets team? So here's what I've learned. I'll start guys have continued to stay bought in no matter what. And that Chicago game was a perfect example, you know, down big in the first quarter guys could have just gave up and, and phoned it in. They did not. Um, for me, Dorian Finney Smith and Royce O'Neal have been the best examples of that, right? Those guys, no matter what their roles have been coming off the bench starting have, have just done their jobs. And, um, you know that that that's been extremely impressive to me. Uh, Ian Cart just commented, he wrote, You forgot to mention that the Chicago game was a back-to-back. Yes. The, the title yeah. of the episode is back to back like we're Jordan 96-97. So definitely that recognize Drake. that. Shout out Drake. Definitely recognize that, you know, winning back-to-back games is impressive. Um, but yeah, back to this. I've I've learned about this team. Guys are bought in from DFS to Royce to Dayron Sharp to Armani Brooks, all the way to the top to Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson. You know, even Lonnie Walker coming in off the bench, everybody is is bought in. Trent Watford, he plays his role perfectly. Uh, it, it's just been you know a joy to see. And Pete, the one guy that if he if he can stay consistent and stay bought in in every single game, I just think the Nets are a much better basketball team. Is Spencer Dinwiddie? You
1: don't you think he'll be bought in
0: though? Well, he's on a contract year. When Ben Simmons has played, and and Cam Thomas is out there. We have seen some inconsistent games from
1: Dinwiddie this season. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. I'm not going to jump on you. Uh, I think that's more role, but I think that's going to be ironed out. But, you know, he's going to have a bad game at some point, right? Uh, what I learned is I don't know if this team needs Ben Simmons as much as we thought we needed him going into the year. We talked, uh, we, we texted each other during one of the games, and uh, I totally forgot about Ben Simmons. I totally forgot about Ben It's just shocking how much we're talking about, oh, man, you know, we're only going to go as far as Ben Simmons, and now we're playing games, and uh, he's kind of forgotten. And I, would you put him in the starting lineup if this team continues winning? We're playing with a hot hand type of uh, offense, right? Do you want him to come back and just jump into the starting lineup? Politics would say yes. Hot hand would say No.
0: You know, Pete, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sick of fucking politics.
1: So, man, it sucks. Presidential come, uh, year coming up, so sucks for you, man.
0: <laughs> you you That's see what, what Dinwiddie does, is able to do when he's the ball handler, when he's bought in. I mean, he manipulated Chicago's defense on so many possessions on Sunday. Uh, pick and roll, hitting floaters in the lane, getting guys wide open threes. Not that – Ben Simmons doesn't do that, but with Dinwiddie, you have that scoring threat. Dinwiddie can go for 25, 26 if he's feeling it from three. So, you know, I agree with you that it's easy to forget Ben Simmons. And then that sort of makes me think, if you're Sean Marks, would you look to move Ben Simmons around the deadline to bolster the rest of this lineup? I don't know. Can Spencer Dinwiddie and Ben Simmons coexist? Because, Pete, we were talking about
1: Dinwiddie not being here after the deadline, but Dinwiddie's been looking really good the last few games. Man, I've been thinking to myself, man, you know, I'm the Dinwiddie guy, so I kind of like, I can't go too hard with this. But in, like, looking at the numbers now and, like, man, I would like to see him back on the team next year. You know what I mean? Taking Take emotion out of it. Just looking how he plays with the offense and how everyone's kind of meshing and it looks good and it feels right.
0: Uh, let me ask you a question. You know, Mikael Bridges is is sort of. I mean, Cam Thomas is out right now. He's the best scorer on the team, but Mikael Bridges is the leader of this team. If you're Mikael Bridges, do you like playing better with Spencer Dinwiddie or Ben Simmons so far this season? If you had to choose,
1: you'd have to look at the stats to see who gave him the ball more. But um, I would say Dinwiddie, and for this reason. He gives you a little more. He gives you a lot more. I shouldn't say a little. He gives you a lot more spacing. You don't have to worry about Ben's man sagging and, you know, Mikel hitting a wall. It, it's a big yep. difference, man. It's a big difference, especially if you had clacks there. So you got clacks, Ben and their guys kind of sagging. It makes Bridges job so much harder. Yeah, I, I don't know. I
0: agree with you. I look at I look at the eye test. I see when, when Dinwiddie scores, Mikhail Bridges is visibly happy for him. Like he, he daps him up, little things like that. I don't see that a lot with Ben Simmons and Mikhail Bridges. You know why? Why?
1: Because Ben Simmons
0: doesn't really score. It, it's not a diss. I mean, yeah, when when he gives Mikhail an assist, I'm sure the two guys dap up. But I think what Mikhail loves is hey. If I'm not putting up 45 a night, I can I can count on Dinwiddie getting 15 to 20 if and Ben only, Simmons isn't there.
1: And not only that, we're asking Bridges to cover maybe the other team's best player, right? right? So sometimes he's not going to be able to carry the team like we'd like him to. It's nice when you have CJ in the corner. You got Dinwiddie in the other corner or on the top of the key. You have a little more spacing out there. It, it, it's such a big difference, man. It's a shame because Ben does open up the offense in some other ways, but do you feel the way that that the offense kind of needs to, quote-unquote, needs to be opened up for Mikel is kind of more uh, Dinwiddie-esque rather than Ben Simmons-esque?
0: I do. I, I 100% feel that way. And, and you know, the other thing I'll say is when Cam Thomas plays, I don't see Mikel Bridges get as excited when he hits shots. And the reason being, I don't he's think that off. Cam Thomas is giving. Yeah, no, you're right. He's a ball hog. He's not giving Mikhail Bridges the ball a lot. The greatest thing about Dinwiddie is he can get hot from the field and take over occasionally, but more times than not, he is looking to get Mikael involved. He is looking to get Cam Johnson the ball. You know, a lot of those plays Dinwiddie will run up and he'll, he will do the Ben Simmons and he'll bounce it behind him or or get it to his guys. The, the difference is, you know, while Dinwiddie might not be historically as dominant of a distributor is Ben Simmons. He's definitely a better scorer at this point in his career versus Ben Simmons. So I I just think the, the way that, you know, the contrast in Dinwiddie's game between shooting and scoring and passing, I think Bridges loves that shit. I really do.
1: I I think you're right. I think you're right. And uh, it's, it's just nice to see this team come together, but it's just so upsetting that, we're seeing this team grow, and then CT's hurt, and then Ben is hurt. So, you know, we've got to see what happens when everybody comes together and they kind of mesh. I'm really excited to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. I think CT's coming back soon, right?
0: Yeah, he is. So that his injury status was updated to doubtful, which means he's probably not going to play against Toronto, but he should play uh, hopefully in, in the next few games after that. That's great news because – But do you bench – timeout? Do you bench Dinwiddie, though? No, why would you bench Dinwiddie? You would probably bench uh, Royce or DFS. Or yeah, okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. I would go, okay, if if Cam comes back, I would go Dinwiddie, Cam, Bridges, Johnson, who's been cramping up the last two games, which I, I fucking hate. I hate to hear when a professional athlete cramps up in back-to-back games, like, come on, be a little bit better than that, which – Makes me think there's something might be going on there, but mm. that's a considerable. Yeah, I got an opinion. No, opinion on that. We're I want to get to that in a second. Uh, but no, I would I would absolutely keep Dinwiddie and Cam Thomas. That's your backcourt. Finish it off with Bridges, Cam Johnson, and depending who's available, either Claxton or Dorian Finney Smith.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Let, I'm not going to
0: I want to hear your yeah. Cam Johnson take, though. But if you have another lineup that differs than my lineup, start there. But then
1: we'll go Cam Johnson. No, no, we're good uh, with the Cam Johnson thing. Uh, once again, we were texting, and I have a listen. I'm not going to proclaim that I'm uh, Popovich or anything, right? I, I got a little experience coaching. I might have went to school for it, whatever. Um, some of this stuff with the cramping is a kind of a serious issue for me, because this guy does not look like a guy, Cam Johnson. That's not doing the right things. Right. He's very focused on his technique. So that tells me he's probably eating right. He's probably drinking right. You, when you get a cramp, it's either for one of a couple things. Either you're dehydrated, which I don't I, I really don't think he is. Like you said, this guy's an NBA vet. He knows his body. Right. I don't think it's that. Or two. There's another part of the body that's overworked or his body's tired and now it's overcompensating. That's what scares me because that's when the big, big, big injuries come into play.
0: So in that Chicago game, I saw the moment he grimaced. I thought he grabbed his hamstring. That was what it looked uh, like. I would but throw up. I could be wrong. I'd physically it. Um, really hope he's okay because it seems like he's just been starting to find his stride a little bit these last few games. Claxton. Should be back soon. He had uh, that ankle injury, I believe it was against Miami, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he should be back soon. Uh, and and yeah, look, the, the Nets are eight and eight, and they've had what four starters miss time. I think McHale's the only one who hasn't missed time. Dinwiddie missed a game, probably for rest. But Claxton, Cam Thomas, uh, Cam Johnson and Ben Simmons have all been dealing with injuries.
1: And this team is still eight and eight. think that's extremely impressive. And they've been playing, by the way, I don't know if you saw this. They've been playing the second hardest schedule in the NBA up to this point. So if you're eight and eight whip starters out with that, that listen, I'll take that shit. I will take that.
0: Pete will take that shit. You heard him.
1: I will. Yeah.
0: Would (laughs) Would your starting
1: five be any different from mine? uh, it, when camp comes back? No, I, I think you nailed it. I, I think you, I, I, I would say about the same thing. If not, the, exactly the same thing. I'm trying to think in other scenarios that I might change it up, but uh, I probably keep it the same.
0: I, I'll also tell you this, uh, with Trendon Watford just coming in and, and really giving them productive minutes as that backup ball handler and Lonnie Walker, obviously is your first guy off the bench. And eventually, Royce is going to have to come off the bench again too. I just don't see the minutes for Dennis Smith Jr.
1: No, he's going to have to play better if he wants it. But then again, maybe he likes him a lot. I know, but who like he's going to take minutes away from Watford? And Watford is just better, man. He's just a
0: better player than Dennis. He's
1: selling like, like a kid for Christmas, but he's better. It doesn't matter if he's better; it's who the coach likes.
0: Yeah. I... I have, no, I have no, I have no rebuttal. You just, uh, you just, answered me. <laughs> I you apologize. just put, you put me in the, in the corner and I I just need to go get my bottle and, and play with my toys. Cause that was, that was oof. That was a takedown. You just DDT'd me.
1: What happens, bro? We gotta go. We all go through Damn, it.
0: Damn bro. <laughs> um, and listen, the, the plus side to everything we've talked about, you know, we talked about the Nets beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. They're five and O against teams under 500. Uh, they're three and eight against teams over 500. That is, you know, if they start to win games against some of these teams like Atlanta, right? Where we're pretty, we're pretty, um, you know, level with Atlanta. Maybe uh, the ball bounces differently in those games against Cleveland and, and Dallas and Milwaukee that were all close games.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you're the Nets and you start to win those games, you're going to start to generate some buzz around the East surrounding this Brooklyn team. And that's going to make you a little bit more active at the trade deadline to get better if you're Sean
1: Marks. This kind of uh, kind of brings us back all the way, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, and I'm saying, what's the direction of this team? And I, t- I said it before, the trade deadline for this team is going to tell us everything because we're going to know whether we're going to sell out or if we're going to actually go for it, which obviously doesn't seem like it right now. But I'm interested to see what he does, what Marks does. Pete, final
0: question for you, and then the the podcast is over. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: If you have to trade one player before the deadline, Ben Simmons or Spencer Dinwiddie?
1: I would do Ben just to get rid of the contract. But I do have a golden nugget, by the way. Uh, My Pete's golden nugget of wisdom before before we turn off the podcast, okay? There's three nets all time with 1,500 assists, 500 uh, three-pointers. Can you name them?
0: Yeah, they show this on the broadcast. Oh, so come
1: on, you bastard. It's, yeah, it's, a, Jason,
0: that, it's Jason Kidd, it's Vince Carter, and it's... Um, Dinwiddie. It's Dinwiddie. Yeah, Dinwiddie's the third. I yeah. kind
1: of thought that, you know, like, I know I'm the Dinwiddie guy, but, like, I thought, damn, that's that's kind of sad. It's like, guys, don't really stay here too long, it seems.
0: By the way, I, I think even giving every, given everything that Dinwiddie's done for the Nets, I think I'd still trade Dinwiddie. Over over Ben Simmons, I think I'd let Dinwiddie go. Make Simmons your point guard, uh, get better because I know there are playoff teams that can use Dinwiddie's services. So you move him for for a, for another key piece for this Brooklyn team, and then you're in business. And I say that because we both know when Cam Thomas and um, Ben Simmons come back, Dinwiddie's production is just going to fluctuate like crazy.
1: Yeah, you know, you look at it one way. If you're going for Ben Simmons being traded. Excuse me. You're trying to take the contract off. So then maybe you get somebody in free agency. I'm playing the long game. You're playing the short game. You maybe you get two first rounders for Dinwiddie and then use that as part of a bigger deal. Or maybe you get a player that you might like, which is also good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just think the Ben Simmons contract is such a clamp on 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 Sean Marks that I would love to get that off our books. But, you know, we'll see what happens. We will happy see what season. happens.
0: All right. Thanks for everyone who listened. Uh, shout out to Ian Cart, by the way. I uh, had a lot of comments and he said he man. was happy that he was happy that we cleared up the issue with the episode numbers. So the fans do appreciate it. Um, thanks to everyone for listening to another edition of Fireside Nets with Spen and Pete. Uh Pete,
1: any final words for the listeners? Uh follow me at NetFans You Know. And uh check out the YouTube also at NetFans You know, if you don't know by now. And uh, that's it, man. Happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays, and go Nets!
0: Catch you on the fireside.